The world is changing at a rate like never before. So, why is an education? At Strayer University, we make transferring credits simple, create binge-worthy course content to keep you engaged, and design AI-powered tools to help you graduate. Welcome to the future of education. Strayer University, out with the old school. Enroll in Strayer University today and get a brand new laptop to help you finish your bachelor's degree. Laptop offers subject to restrictions and requirements. Strayer University is certified to operate by Chev. We've got all the news right here. I'm going to stop you right there. I see you about to settle on a day-old donut for breakfast. Well, this is a chicken intervention. Because McChicken Biscuits and Chicken McGriddles are now at McDonald's. So just hit that drive through and change your life. For breakfast, you got this. Wake up breakfast. Say good morning to McChicken for breakfast. Right now at your local McDonald's, you can mix and match two Chicken McGriddles or McChicken Biscuits for just $3. Price and participation may vary at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Hey. Uh, all right, we are all on. Hey. Um, God, this uh, is depressing. Fucking suck. <laughs> <laughs> We're going on an 82. <laughs> Everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where ha ha ha, board man gets paid. Fun guy had the last laugh to end last season, and had the last laugh to end tonight's season opener for the Lakers, as the Clippers down the purple and gold, 112 to 102. We're gonna get right into it. We're not feeling very chipper or happy, obviously. That was a rough game. Uh, We had moments and flashes of fun. LeBron definitely had moments, but overall, I think LeBron's entire game sort of encapsulated how tonight went for the Lakers. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Alan Riley and Tommy Alexander. Alan, how are you feeling tonight? Obviously, I'm sure you were super hyped before the game, all this uh, Battle of LA crosstown rivalry stuff against the Clippers. I will say the atmosphere in the arena, you could kind of feel it bursting through the screen pretty much. The environment was very lively, but um, this is literally like five minutes after the game. We're probably not collected in any way, but how are you feeling right now? How do you feel about the game? I'm annoyed. I'm very annoyed. That is a good way of putting it. Uh, Tommy, what about you? How are you feeling? I feel like shits. <laughs> All right. This is going to be a world record for fastest podcast ever. Um, Peace. <laughs> that's it. We Make out- sure to subscribe to us on Twit chat. <laughs> did, you say, did you say subscribe to us on WhatsApp? That's not even a, a social media platform. All right, um, let me try and break this down really quick. Let's segment things out. Let's begin with the start of the game when it looked like the Lakers were pretty much just punking the little brother Clippers. Um, yeah, the first five minutes of this game, we, we just imposed our strength and we're, we're, we're leveraging our height. And it didn't seem like the Clippers could do anything on both ends, really. 
Their shots weren't falling. Tommy, can you describe how you felt just at the beginning when it when it seemed like this was going to be maybe pretty easy? So for most of the first quarter, really, until like the very end when the Clippers made a push to make it like a three or so, yeah, like a three-point game, I just felt like we were going to handle them. You know what I mean? And I think the Lakers felt like they were just getting what they wanted offensively and stopping them so easily defensively that they kind of maybe lulled themselves into a false sense of security. It's like... Clearly, the intensity at some point dropped. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought that at first, oh, okay, here we go. These are all the issues that um, uh, the Clippers are going to have offensively. Like, you know, it's all Kawhi when they start. Lou Williams is coming off the bench, and like, there's nobody else who can create a shot. And, you know, a lot of unproven guys surrounding Kawhi and, you know, all these issues. And it's like, oh, they're all going to come to a head right here. But, I, I don't know. It, it just like it, it flipped very quickly after that first quarter. Yeah, it seemed like the Lakers game plan was just to keep pounding it in that same respect. And it didn't seem like we adapted very well as the game went on. And we thought, well, we can just go back to this well each time. And it didn't end up being that fruitful for us doing that for like a full three or four quarters. But uh, Alan, what were your thoughts on yeah, just starting off that way, our inability to adapt from there and just where things went wrong. Yeah, so I I didn't get home until about 7.50. So, you know, I had the game set up to record, but of course the first game went overtime. Oh, yeah. And I didn't start recording NBA TV at 7.30 just in case, you know. So I was listening on the radio. It was your fault, bro. Um, I know, it's all my fault, dude. I totally knew it. When things started going wrong, <laughs> I was like, ah, shit, I better turn this off. But uh, I was listening on the radio, and um, John Ireland and Michael Thompson were just talking about how perplexed they were by the fact that Patrick Beverly was guarding LeBron in the post. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, I see what you guys are trying to do here by mucking it up and just getting under his skin and whatever, but you can't keep this up the whole game, right? Like, it's impossible. So, yeah, as I heard on the radio, like, we went on that run, and we were up by 11, and I thought, we're just punking him, right? And, um, yeah, then the second I got home and started watching on my television – uh, then everything went south. So again, I will I will eat seventy five percent of this blame pie. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what went wrong. And Tommy, let's start with you. Just give me one big thing that stood out to you that you felt was a, a main reason why um, the Lakers couldn't rebound from their first quarter, essentially. And that first huge run that the Clippers had, where Lou Will came in and they rattled off like. I don't know, seven of nine shots or something. Uh, but yeah, for you, right. give me one one bad factor that the Lakers had that kind of uh, derailed tonight's game. Um, definitely the most surprising thing for me was the defense. Mm. Uh, we looked so solid defensively, in, and in particular, I guess, the pick-and-roll defense. We looked so solid defensively in the preseason. It looked like we had a real plan and we knew what we were going to do. Um and so often tonight, guys just look completely lost. I mean, the Clippers hit, like, what, 14 of 16 shots in the second quarter? <laughs> you know, something absurd after they got off to a slow start. They scored 40 points in the second quarter. It's, like, the first and third quarters, we outscored them by 11 combined points. But they outscored us by 11 just in the second. So, you know, it, it just... It, I think defense was the most surprising thing to me. Um not even necessarily, you know, the Clippers shooting percentage, which was absurd 51%. And like, you're not going to beat anybody, let alone the Clippers 
giving up 51% or 52% shooting. Um, some of the matchups and strategy was a little bit confusing to me. I mean, I thought mm-hmm. Vogel like ran KCP on Kawhi Leonard way too yeah. much early in the game. And it just like KCP is way, I mean like, look, nobody is going to like stop Kawhi Leonard that much. Like he's gotten that good at this point. Um, but you have to be able to try to make them work a little bit harder. And KCP, I just feel like, is too small he, to even, like, be a factor. Like, yeah, he got his hand up and, like, kind of contested a few shots, but there, I thought there should have been a much tighter rotation of, like, Danny Green, like, Jared Dudley, LeBron. You, we, they threw a little AD, but, like, rotate those guys. If you want to throw a little, like, you know, throw a... Uh, uh, you know confuse them a little or throw, throw a different look, maybe throw Avery Bradley out there. Cause he can, he's smaller than KCP, but he could try to be a little bit physical, but mm-hmm. I just didn't understand those matchups and, and the defense overall left a lot to uh, be desired. I think. Yeah. We got destroyed during that KCP stint in the end of the first early second there. And yeah, you're right. The pick and roll defense was very, very ugly. And you just see like the Clippers big man rolling to the rim unimpeded and Lou Will pretty much having his way in the mid-range just because of his crafty dribble game. And we knew that would, was going to be a problem. It didn't help that Kawhi Leonard was working in tandem with him, uh, surgically cutting up the Lakers from the mid-range and literally robotically hitting shot after shot in the mid-range no matter how tough it was. And um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that, that was tough to swallow, especially when the Lakers' offense wasn't working. So my big thing for tonight's game was since Tommy already mentioned the the defense and, and the poor defense in the pick and roll was just the lack of fluidity and synergy between LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and honestly, everybody else. Danny Green had an amazing game, 28 points, seven of nine from three, 10 of 14. Um, but it just felt like we were discombobulated and it was too much LeBron holding the ball. And for some reason, especially in the first half, there were no LeBron James and Anthony Davis pick and rolls tonight. And it was so perplexing not to have them work together in that way when that's that's how we destroyed the Golden State Warriors. We pounded it inside some, like in some sense against the Warriors, obviously, but we also cut them up in pick and rolls. You know, that's how we were able to get all those fun little um, showtime lobs to other big men and other players. And too often it was like LeBron James... P- playing the part of Rajon Rondo, unfortunately, and trying to generate offense. And I said it on Twitter too too many times. It, it felt like we were just relying on LeBron to like pull a rabbit out of his hat. And there was not any creativity on offense. Um, it was either LeBron trying to create something from the perimeter um, or Anthony Davis kill people down low. And most of the time, Anthony Davis did his, his job. Um, but we went away from that in the fourth quarter and LeBron tried to take over and was sort of pressing. So offensively, I thought LeBron James had a terrible game. Uh, he had five turnovers, but it sure felt like a lot more than that. And because LeBron James offense right now is predicated on, you know, either I'm going to shoot this step back three or take it all the way to the rim. He doesn't, his doesn't really have a mid range game right now, or it wasn't working tonight. Um, he would either try and barrel into the paint and get a t- turnover or get a foul, or it was just it was just ugly offense from him. Um, 
so that's my one big thing. Just just no synergy between LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and because of that, no synergy amongst the entire team of role players. I'm sure it must have been frustrating for all the other guys to be like, what happened to the wide open shots? What happened to just better movement all around? Um, there were times when Avery Bradley would have the ball and they would just run a simple screen with him and Anthony Davis and he would pull it for a mid-range jump shot and it would look really easy and I'd be like, why don't we do more of that instead of just giving it to LeBron James to dribble for like 23 seconds, you know? Quinn Cook had a mid-range jump shot where it was a simple screen from Anthony Davis as well. I felt like we were too LeBron James reliant tonight on offense and it sort of bit us in the butt. Um, So... Alan, what about you? I don't know if you have anything to say about that. And then if you want to give your own perspective on, is there another like bad thing that you can point to that derailed us? Uh, Transition defense was pretty Mm -hmm. awful. Uh, The Clippers had 22 fast break points and we had five. It just, like you said, you know, going back to synergy, whether it was offensively or in this case, defensively, um, just running up the floor, something as simple as that, but then also matching up, you know, with your guy. And uh, just overall communication, how many times are guys, uh, were guys on the Clippers just wide open on the three-point line because we didn't get back, right? Mm-hmm. Or again, whoever is that like anchor on defense is not communicating with the backcourt players to, uh, yeah, to man up, basically. So saw that over and over. Um, like you said, offensively, I mean, we ran things through the post to start, and that was extremely effective. And then, you know, because Doc Rivers is the coach of the Clippers, of course, they're going to make adjustments. And they started trapping AD. They started doubling. They started helping. And then from there, um, a lot of those turnovers ended up getting forced. And like like you said, I thought LeBron was really trying to force the issue by uh, getting the ball in the paint. And then the thing that the Clippers did was, like, Patrick Beverly just drops down, right? And then he helps. And then muck things up. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, you messaged our Facebook uh, group chat and you're saying it feels like we're getting out coached here. And uh, I would totally agree with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying it's all Frank Vogel's fault, right? And the coaching staff, but it just didn't feel like we were making in-game adjustments. And with brand new team, brand new staff, that's one of the things that, you know, I feel like all of our senses are kind of heightened to. It's like, oh, how are we going to respond? And it just didn't seem like, um, yeah, it just didn't feel like there were any adjustments. It was same thing over and over. So that that's what was frustrating to me. Yeah, Tommy, do you have any thoughts on that and just the lack of diversity on offense? Look, I get it. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, those are a two those are a two big men that we should be running the offense through, running everything through. But it became very predictable and the Clippers found a way to like Alan said muck things up and they know that Anthony Davis and LeBron James jump shots are not working right now. So as strong as they are, as skilled and physical as they are, I mean, the Clippers, I hate to say this, they have heart, they have grit, and they know how to, you know, really, you know, buckle down and make things make things dirty in the paint, even if they lack the size. And I think that's what we saw happen. Um, so your thoughts on the lack of diversity and just, you know, we didn't really have any other primary creators besides LeBron James. But like I mentioned, Avery Bradley and Quinn Cook, those simple plays where it's just like, let's use Anthony Davis more as the screener and just take advantage of the fact that he can erase defenders by simply standing there. And we just went away from that and said, LeBron James, do it all and try and find Anthony Davis. And that's pretty much our offense for the entire night. Yeah, I think Alan hit the nail on the head when when he was talking about the adjustments. I think 
it's great. We started, you know, beating them up in the paint. We did it in the first quarter a lot early. We did it in the third quarter too, um, bully balling them in the paint, and it worked. And when things work, you keep going back to them. But eventually, there were adjust adjustments made on the other side. And once you get the other team to adjust to you you have to adjust again. You know what I mean? You have to stay like one step ahead constantly, right? And and we didn't. I mean, this game was weird in so many ways and as annoyed as I am that we lost because I really wanted to... I just like am so annoyed by the Clippers and all their hype this mm-hmm. year. Um, we played like really, really bad basketball. And we know that this team is capable of playing a higher level of basketball because we saw it in the preseason. And yeah, preseason matchups or whatever, that those were not the same matchups as this Clippers team playing with this intensity level. But it was a lot of like LeBron looking confused and just like dribbling the ball and forcing like horrible passes. I mean, he had five turnovers, but... These weren't like, oh, five charges or five, like, you know, he he was asked to make really tough plays. I mean, some of these were just simple, like, he threw the ball away to somebody in the paint. When, to Dwight. Like, he was trying to force it to <laughs> Dwight or to JaVale or to AD. But mostly, I feel like AD and Dwight, it's like he, he had so many where he was trying to force it. Um, like, with three defenders in there. It's like, drive and, like, kick it or, like, move the ball, do something. But... I feel like because he was trying so hard to force things, um, it caused everybody to go kind of stagnant. I mean, we took 33 threes and we hit 39%. That's awesome shooting, despite the fact that, you know, LeBron had a poor shooting night from three. And I think uh, Troy Daniels and Quinn Cook both also probably had uncharacteristically poor shooting nights from three. Um, We still hit 39%. That is about the only thing that went according to plan, I think, tonight. Everything else was – it was just uh, not good. But did you feel like those that 39% from three came in the f- flow of the offense? I It did for guys like – I think it did for Jared Dudley's three-pointers and maybe three of Danny Green's shots. Otherwise, I felt like Danny Green just got – um, ridiculously hot and was taking some tough shots and nailing it. But for the most part, like you mentioned, I, I feel like the offense was stagnant. And Alan, I don't, I don't know if you got the impression that our three-point shooting was, you know, in in the in the vein of like a beautiful game sort of three-point hot streak, or am I just looking at it differently? No, 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 no. It, it wasn't because of execution. Yeah, You know, it wasn't in the flow of the offense. It wasn't because of the system and, oh, wow, this guy came off of an off-ball screen and there was a pin down here and then we ran this set and that set and that's how the guy got open. Uh, those moments are far and few in between. So, I mean, of course, you'll take all the ridiculous circus shots that Danny Green was uh, was making, but uh, no, I, I think you're right. So forty percent, almost forty percent, is obviously very encouraging. Um, thank goodness it's not like the thirty-two percent that our skeptical minds have like gotten so used to. Right. Um, so yeah, there, there's like a silver lining, I guess you could look at it. Although I guess when it's uh, hoisted up by one person and propped up by one person, you take that one guy away, and and it, it is what you mentioned. <laughs> Unfortunately, the the low three-point shooting. There, there were a few out-of-timeout sets that they actually ran to get guys free on the baseline. That play was really good to free, free three-point shooters up. But otherwise, yeah, it was too much. The ball was sticking to LeBron James, and he was telegraphing a lot of passes when he'd drive it into the paint and see the defense had collapsed on him. He'd leave his feet, and oh man, it was, it was very ugly. It was immediate turnover, and guys couldn't get 
free on the perimeter for good looks. Um, and we just we just need like a little bit more awareness from our guys on the court. I like clearly we were setting up in a lot of in a lot of plays to let LeBron go like do his one on five thing and kick it out to shooters and the Clippers were playing it that way and guys have to have awareness in those situations and part of this is just like playing together more but you know and and also part of this is not having Kuzma or even Rondo out there to be honest but you know guys aren't moving off the ball LeBron was driving not sucking anybody in and forcing passes um and and nobody was like thinking, okay, I'm being way overplayed with guys like heads, you know, the back of their heads turned to me. I should like cut behind their back and get a wide open shot. But mm-hmm. yeah, that. I agree. All right, we'll take it to break. When we return, we will talk about the positives that we saw tonight. Um, yeah. Don't go out. Go all out in the all-new Toyota Highlander. Amplify your style with a captivating exterior and available 20-inch alloy rims. Amplify your comfort with available premium leather interior and ventilated seats. Or amplify your groove with an available booming 11-speaker JBL audio system. You can even amplify your crew with roomy seating for up to eight, five USB ports, and available Wi-Fi connect. Don't go out. Go Highlander in the all-new Toyota Highlander. Toyota, let's go places. Here's an honest question. How are you supposed to know what to do with your money? Very few of us are exposed to meaningful advice on how to manage our finances. Even fewer have the means to get professional financial guidance. Betterment is a platform that was built to do something radical, to give accessible financial advice that puts you first. If you're like most Americans, your money is probably sitting in a savings account, likely earning you next to nothing. Maybe you have an investment account that you're not really sure what to do with. Betterment can help you make sense of what to do with your money. Investing involves risk, but you don't have to know the ins and the outs of the stock market to start investing for your future. Betterment's technology will put your money to work choosing the stocks and strategies that are right for you because we know you have other things to do. Betterment's platform can even provide guidance on what financial goals make sense for you. Give your money a new home with Betterment, peace of mind included. Download the Betterment app today. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T for the betterment of you. All right, so we're back. Before we get into the positives of the game and things that we liked and see some promise in, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, Alan, do you have anything? I'm not feeling too corny tonight. <laughs> um, no. Damn. Uh... I was I was trying to tie in Paul George's stupid tuxedo. <laughs> oh my god! I was trying I hate really hard. Like, I, oh my god, dude. That's the more you rain review us, that's how many stupid outfits we're going to see him wear throughout the season, <laughs> which is just going to increasingly piss us off more, which oddly makes us feel good. Paul George looked like a butler or something like in a game of dude. Game, what? In a game of guess a who, loser. who murdered the person. It's Paul George. Um, yeah, please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, OK, let's talk about the positives of this game. Um, clearly Anthony Davis had his way, his jump shot still wasn't working. He had one mid range face up against Montrezel or Montrez. That was nice. But otherwise, <laughs> I don't know why I call him Montrezel. <laughs> Montrezel. <laughs> Montrezel. All right, shut up. That's <laughs> oh, so good. No, dude, I'm gonna start calling him that now. Rapunzel. Um, yeah, he had one mid range jump shot against Montrez and that was pretty much it. His uh, three-point shot wasn't working. And, and same for LeBron James, who was one for five from three. But I will say, 
man, LeBron James for a couple plays was really hyped up and got up. I, I mean, that, that crazy run to end the third where we tied the game up, that kind of was spurred on by LeBron James's defensive plays when he was just tracking Landry Shamit down. <laughs> that, was that was sick, sick dude. Vintage. That was sick. He exploded on the, the block, floor. And then the charge right after that. Yeah, that, that helped us take off from there, even though he sat down right after that. That was kind of like the energy and, and momentum boost that we needed. So I was hoping that was going to be our signature plays, and then it turns out that Patrick Beverly's offensive rebound off of Montrez missed free throw was the defining play of the night, unfortunately. Um, that's another thing. I know we're supposed to talk about positives here, but the way that we got out-rebounded and out-hustled was inexcusable. Um, does anybody want to talk about that before we get into the yeah, positives? Yeah, those, those long rebounds off of threes were driving me insane. Yeah, the Clippers just seemed like That's they it. wanted it more. I mean, Pat, uh, Patrick Beverly had 10 rebounds, dude. Freaking ridiculous. Anyways, um, okay, let's get into the positives. Obviously, LeBron James did not have a overall good game. It wasn't... Yeah, we just saw flashes essentially, but but Tommy, what did you like out of LeBron? He looked very spry in the first in the first half for sure. He had that really nice like layup into the lane in traffic where he was kind of, you know, scoopy doing it up. Um and then obviously that dunk, that dunk was insane in the third quarter. Uh where he was just super pissed and uh, he needed to throw one down and I think this is the first throwdown we've seen from LeBron since preseason essentially. But uh what did you like out of LeBron tonight, Tommy? Um, I like the fact that although I like as we've discussed, he was forcing a ton of passes. I still like the fact that he was trying to set guys up. I mean, this is an 82 game season as hyped as we would have been if they won this game. The Clippers pretty much fired on all cylinders and then they beat us by 10. So like in the grand scheme of things, not a big deal, more important, more important to like build good habits. Right. And the role players like any team in the in the league, the role players are what make the difference. LeBron and AD, LeBron one out of every twelve games is like might have a bad game. Um, you know, AD had I think a very a good game overall considering the degree of difficulty, but his outside shot hasn't been falling so far this season, and he was slightly below efficiency. But the role players are going to be the guys who are going to you know help us win this year, and LeBron was making a really concerted effort to get them involved. Um, so I think, you know, yeah, forced the issue a little bit too much, but I like that he was trying to set that expectation. And then also, obviously, the defense from him was um, phenomenal at, at multiple points. Mm-hmm. I'm, I wasn't paying, obviously, you know, we just watched the game. We haven't, like, rewatched it or anything. So maybe, perhaps there were plays off ball where he was falling asleep. Um, I'm sure that, like, happens to a lot of players most games. But he... On ball and in terms of effort and hustle and energy, he was fully engaged tonight. Um, and it's a matter of, you know, hopefully that sets a good example and everybody else gets up to, to speed quickly. Yeah. Uh, Alan, what were some positives of the game for you? Um, do you want to talk about Anthony Davis and, and um, what she saw? Sure. From yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then just one thing about LeBron. He almost had a triple double. He had 18, nine and eight. Um, so, you know, it's like a quiet one granted that we lost in the turnovers and he was, uh, he was a minus eight, unfortunately, but, um, nonetheless, Trade him. like, like Tommy said, yeah, he, he made a very conscious effort out there and then hopefully defensively he can sustain that, um, a little bit more <laughs> than he has in recent years. But as far as Anthony Davis, um, yeah, like I said, the beginning of the game, as I was listening on the radio, like it was like decades ago, um, it sounded like he was 
freaking dominating. And then um, when I was able to watch live, I mean, he had so many moments where he was just having his way down there. Um, and the only thing that deterred him, obviously, was the double teaming and things like that. Um, I would think as time goes on, of course, and everyone develops their chemistry with each other, when he gets that double and he's able to draw the defense, guys will know how to move off ball, find their positions, and he'll know where to look for them. Um, there were moments in the game where that was a little bit better. Uh, I think it was in the third quarter. I don't remember like the exact play or who was even involved besides AD, but um, someone dumped it down into the post. It was one of the two guards, and then they ran to the other side of the floor to get that that balance, right? So the defense couldn't collapse on him. Whereas in the first half, the spacing in the second quarter, the spacing was kind of bad and it just made it easier for the Clippers to, to double down. So I think little things like that, um, showing up within the first game is promising. And then you would think just logically as time goes on, that's going to improve. Um, so yeah, I I would say that was one of the big, big takeaways is just, uh, saw some glimpses of chemistry there. Yeah, I agree. Um, Obviously, one huge positive was Danny Green's shooting. He was electric, especially in the second half. He was a big part of the reason why the Lakers were able to tie the game up uh, to end the third quarter. Seven of nine from three, 28 points, seven rebounds, two steals, one block. Uh, I call him Rite Aid Ice Cream because he's Mr. Dependable. He's a sure thing. His team defense was great, and he seemed to be the only one who could even deter Kawhi Leonard and annoy him a little bit Uh, so thank god we had Danny Green I was a little disappointed at and I think this is more an indictment on LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Frank Vogel but I was disappointed that we didn't utilize JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard enough Dwight Howard had his own problems including not like mishandling the ball as he usually does. And he had a couple plays where he really showed his age, including the one where Kawhi sort of, you know, blocked the ball from behind. Although I I felt like he was fouled on that play. But Dwight Howard, it's clear, does not get up up off of the floor as quickly and as strongly as he once did. Um, But JaVale McGee was tearing it up in the preseason, you know. He would be the one who just get these wide open dunks. And we saw him on one play in the third quarter where Zubats came to double LeBron and he finally bounced, skipped past it to JaVale for the hammer dunk. Outside of that, it was he was pretty much non-existent and we were supposed to overwhelm the Clippers, not only with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, we were supposed to overwhelm them with JaVale and, and Dwight. And unfortunately it didn't end up happening like that. Um, Tommy, I don't know if you have an explanation for that or did you, did you feel the same way? Well, and I think it goes back to our point on coaching, right? Or, you know, which coach established and, and set the tone in terms of their game plan. And, I think Vogel went away from his game plan, right? It's like we, like you said, we played it a certain way the entire time in preseason. I feel like when we were like in that one game in game five or whatever the game was of the preseason, um, that we played like our nor- quote unquote normal rotation, we played very little small ball with AD at the five. We were almost all the time that AD was out there, we were having him out there with JaVale or Dwight. And those lineups were like dominating people, right? And I feel like we went away from that just so we could match up with what the Clippers were doing because they go super small when they put Montrez at the center. And, you know, Patterson is like a decent size, but he's not a 
Patterson on AD is like not necessarily the matchup we want. Not that Patterson is like that great of a player, right? But he can't. He has the ability to stretch it out a little bit. He keeps AD out of the paint. It's just like not ideal matchups, and I feel like you know Vogel was a little bit. He was playing too much to what Doc was giving him, as opposed to trying to impose you know our own game plan. And and I don't know. You know, it's easy for us to say sitting here, maybe. You know, he felt like he, he wasn't able to impose our game plan uh, for whatever reason or, you know, time was running out and we had to catch up. And so we had to go small at various points. I'm not really sure, but um, I, I I do agree that it does seem weird that JaVale was like so dominant in the preseason. And then we saw him for 17 minutes tonight. And in that 17 minutes, he only had two rebounds, which is pretty bad, but yeah. he uh, had two blocks. So, I mean, maybe he wasn't playing because of rebounding and, you know, Dwight played about the same amount of time at six rebounds. So there's... Pros and cons to each of them, but surprising that JaVale didn't see more time. Yeah, and I think more so than anything else, he stuck... He he went away from his game plan in that sense, but he stuck with the game plan of just giving the ball to LeBron James and either forcing him to do something with the ball or force-feeding it into Anthony Davis and little diversification outside of that. Not even any two... Like, there wasn't... The two-man game between the two was non-existent because... Usually when you put LeBron James and Anthony Davis in pick and rolls and even reverse the roles in that sense, that's what opens the offense up for everyone else and people can cut, people are wide open across the floor and it it was it was very predictable offense from the Lakers tonight. Um Yeah, I don't know. Alan, do you have anything else to that you wanted to point out? Anything good, anything bad at this point? Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to dig too deeply into the positives. I will say Kyle Kuzma is going to help out this team so much because he's the one guy, regardless of what system you're running, who will kind of run around the floor, run, run along the baseline, get himself open, and has a little more versatility just offensively than um, any of the other guys around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And you saw when the offense broke down and, and Anthony and LeBron James was forced to give it up to a guy like Danny Green or Troy Daniels or Jared Dudley or KCP. It was just like, well, that's pretty much it. Just hoist the shot up and hope it goes in, you know, but hopefully with a guy like Kuzma, who's a little more versatile offensively, we'll have better looks and the offense will hum along better. But uh, Alan, any other thoughts on really anything? Uh, Dwight had a couple moments defensively that, where he looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like he went up vertically for one block shot. Um, re- rebounded the ball pretty well. Like you said, his age is kind of showing. Um, but the guy didn't play at all last year. So, I mean, in one sense, he should be fresh at the same time. It's like, it, what's his game speed condition, you know? So, if we want to give him some benefit of the doubt. But, um, hearkening back to our dismal thoughts regarding Dwight a few weeks ago or a month ago or whatever. I, I think we're all feeling much, much better about mm-hmm. Dwight being a part of this team. Oh yeah, for sure. So that's a positive. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tommy, I'll give you any last thoughts you want to say about this game and just the Lakers outlook in general. Are you obviously you're annoyed, but are you keeping things in perspective? Yeah, definitely staying optimistic. Like I said, it, it's pretty crazy. If you think about it, the Clippers, clicked on all cylinders. I mean, they had 60 bench points. They're not going to average 60 bench points a game, right? So it's like they had 60 bench points. They shot 52% from the field. Uh, they out-rebounded a, a team that, you know, is should easily be one of the top rebounding teams in the league. Um, 
and they still, you know, won by 10 points in their home opener after like a crazy summer. You know, they're, I will say I thought this game at, at points in the first half felt like a Laker home game, but when the Clippers would go on runs, it you know look it's the Staples Center, it's your home stadium, but there's something different about you know playing a home game still for the Lakers versus playing a home game for like this Clippers team with Kawhi Leonard and you know Paul George joining soon. So new team, road game, experienced coach you know, reigning finals MVP team had like, you know, the Clippers had like the best game they've had. I, I watched a bunch of their preseason games. They didn't look anything close to this, you know? So it's, well, yeah, it, they didn't it, win. It, right? There's a lot of things. Exa- well, they won some games against like the non NBA teams, but um, I guess what I'm getting at is like a lot went right for them tonight and we did not get blown out. Um, so we'll see how we bounce back in game two. Uh, it's our home opener against uh, the Jazz, I believe, right, on Friday. Um, so hopefully us being at home will uh, make things work a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I Look, we kind of got to give it up to the Clippers. Jamichael Green hit four of seven from three. That was a killer. Um, the Clippers look like a damn good team, man. I, I didn't want to buy into all the grit and grind. and They do, they, right? But it's like it's one game. And it's like the same thing we are like in the preseason. we and I know it's the preseason, but it's like we're beating the Warriors by 30. It's one game. It's perspective. Sure. You know what I mean? It's, it, it is what it is. Like, like I said, the Clippers are not going to shoot 52% as a team from the field for over an entire season. Like, it just doesn't happen. So they had a very, very, very good game when they were firing on all cylinders. This could have easily been a Laker home game, and we fired on all cylinders and had that great game, too. Not taking anything away from them, because Kawhi Leonard looks incredible, and if everything clicks like this more often than not, this is going to be a very hard, I mean, you're seeing right now why this is going to be an incredibly hard team to take out in a seven game series. And why a lot of people are saying they're one of the favorites to make the finals. Well, yeah, they didn't have Paul George, obviously, which is a huge factor, but I think outside of even like everything firing on all cylinders and basket balls going into the basket, I, I I actually felt that, you know, intensity and culture. And I hate believing in Patrick Beverly Beverly really being like the emotional captain of this team, but you kind of could feel it as annoying as he is. And he only shot one of seven, but you sort of felt his annoying presence the entire time. That offensive rebound being like the punctuating statement, unfortunately. He had 10 rebounds, you know, six assists. One block was annoying everybody. He got killed in the post a bunch of times by LeBron James, but he still managed to you know, make his presence felt and the Clippers kind of followed along with Kawhi Leonard being this robotic <laughs> sort of guy who just kept things steady. So Alan, just your your last thoughts on uh, the Lakers and also, I mean, at this point, I know it's only one game, but I would be surprised if we didn't see both of these two teams, at least in the second round, facing off against each other in the Western Conference. Yeah, uh, I mean, generally, after talking for about 36 minutes with you guys, I feel better. <laughs> um, I've, like, cooled off a little bit, you know, so um, hopefully everybody else has to. It, it is just one game. I mean, Jared Dudley barely played in the preseason. Troy Daniels barely played in the preseason. Um, the rotation at this Quinn point, Cook. I mean, Quinn, yeah, Quinn, Quinn Cook, Cook barely, barely played. Play- yeah. Exactly. And like, look at the significant minutes these guys got tonight. And then what lineup combinations have really been established prior to tonight. So there's just a lot of work to be done. So tomorrow is going to be 
overreaction Wednesday without a doubt. Mm -hmm. And everybody's going to be making so much out of this. And thankfully we've processed it together and, uh, we're going to be all right. I'm really looking forward to Friday, though. Be interesting to see how we bounce back. Another really tough defensive team in Utah that has a lot of chemistry right. and synergy and great coaching in Quinn Snyder, you know. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing how that one plays out, though. Yeah, it's all going to be about how Frank Vogel adapts, how LeBron James and Anthony Davis adapt. It's clear that it's weird, right? I feel like LeBron James, you could tell he was so amped up for this game and by the end of it, you could also sense that his nerves were kind of getting to him, how much he was pressing. Um, hopefully he too, like Lakers Nation, settles down, takes a step back and just attacks this thing analytically. And, and we run things through Anthony Davis a little bit more, allow him to create a little bit more, allow him to set screens for other guys. And yeah, I just don't want it to continue to be such a black and white thing and like this whole season is centered around the LeBron James revenge tour when it's clear that, yeah, he's looking more more spry here and there as each game goes along, but it's also clear LeBron James has lost a step. You know, he's not going to be able to do what he used to do, take things by the reins and just, you know, drag a team on his back for 48 minutes. He's going to need more help. And especially in this game one, I felt like he was trying so hard. You know, I don't want the load to be on him like this or the load to be on Anthony Davis um, as it was in game one. And hopefully they can adjust, you know, so to lighten, lighten that burden on both of them. Um, but I'll chalk it up to just like the nerves and wanting it so badly. And, uh, and yeah. All right, with that said, thank you guys for listening. As usual, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please rate and interview us on iTunes. Um, Tommy, Alan, first uh, official Taco Tuesday is in the books. <laughs> it's Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. All right, I'll catch you guys later. Taco Tuesday. You ever hear something and know the world will never be the same? Houston, we have liftoff. We'll wait until you hear this one. Half price coffee. That's right. Get into McDonald's weekdays before 10.30 a.m. for any size premium roast coffee or iced coffee. Both made with 100% Arabica beans, both half the price. Good is brewing. And that's the sound of your morning changing. Limited time only. May not be combined with any offer or combo meal at participating McDonald's. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at bet mgm 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.